going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. That's right, moments ago, No Mercy, NXT No Mercy is in the books. Up here to give you a few initial thoughts. This is by no means uh, a deep, deep-rooted, deep-digging review. Um, it is 10.59 on Saturday. going to give you some quick thoughts, because, yeah, wrote down one or two things that I wanted to mention here or there. But let's go through the card and let's see what we got. Kalani Jordan... Blair Davenport on the kickoff. I didn't even know that this match was a thing until I checked Wikipedia to do the preview a couple of days ago. I said on the preview, probably going to be a squash. Davenport's, you know, the new big bad in the company, and, you know, nice squash over a smiley baby face would, uh, would be apropos. You know, give it two or three minutes and let her get steamrolled. That wasn't the case. Davenport did get the win, but it was a coming out party. I will say that much for Kalani Jordan, who was out there doing a lot of Dana Brooke, you know, tribute type stuff, you know, with the, with the backflips and the flexing and the poses and the entrance and all that type of stuff. Two things I want to point out really, really quick. She did... Uh, she started off the match with what looked like a 619 into an arm drag, which I thought was really cool. Later on in the match, she did another sort of 619 uh, between the upper ropes into a cutter, which was really, really cool. And then a cartwheel into a Judas effect, which I thought was... Neither one of those are brand new, but both of those are new spins on things, which is really, really cool. Um, Davenport got the win. Davenport... Did she get the win? I don't think she did. Anyways, I didn't write down who won, because I'm an idiot. Um, Davenport was was Davenport. It's it's fine. She's still the big bad. And we know what she's going to do next, because post-match she was attacked by Gigi Dolin. And that's the match we're going to get on NXT, I believe, this week. Now, I will say, later on in the night, they did a promo package for the next NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. And Kalani Jordan is in that. And they're really... I'm glad that they're doing it, but kind of like Roxanne Perez last year, you've already got Kalani Jordan on a pay-per-view. Like, it's a kickoff, I get it, but you're featuring him, or her rather, on a pay-per-view stage, you know, she's in the match that's on five minutes before the pay-per-view starts instead of being on the pay-per-view. She's still basically on the pay-per-view. Kind of telegraphs that she's going to win the tournament, which is absolutely fine. Do the new... Uh, the new talents and all that kind of thing. I know Ariane Grace is in there, and she is the daughter of Santino Morella. Santino Morella, I've gotten to actually interact with a couple of times because Santino Morella used to uh, used to help run Destiny. Yes, check it off your Spice Phoenix bucket list. It's fine. Apparently, on NXT Level Up, she's doing this like pageant character, this Miss NXT character, and that could be a lot of fun. Other than that, I didn't really recognize anybody else, but I do guess that's kind of the point. Kalani Jordan, really, really good, is my point. And I kind of wish that this had just been on the other side of the 8 o'clock mark so that we could consider it part of the show. Because, hey, two women's matches on a show, we could definitely outdo Tony Khan, if nothing else. We get to the show proper, and they did the entire uh, intro to the pay-per-view based on the old No Mercy video game, including doing fight graphics of all the matches that were supposed to happen tonight in shitty N64 graphics, which popped me fucking rotten. Now, on the kickoff, they had let us know that the opening match was going to be Breaker versus Corbin. Again, I said, uh, going into this in the preview, who am I supposed to cheer for in this match? Because both of them are heels, so you can basically choose whoever you want. Go back to the last pay-per-view when... Uh, 
when Corbin fought Gable Steveson and he was supposed to be the bad guy and he was over as hell. This is when he had introduced his sort of his new character, the like I say, the burn the ships Baron Corbin that we see now, the you know, new gear, new entrance, more serious outlook and all that. And he was over as shit in the live audience. Get it out of the performance center, get it out of, you know, Wow, I almost said full sale because I've been I've been taping NXT Rewind. But get it out of the performance center, get it out of that crowd that is basically the same people every week in front of people in a big pay-per-view crowd that have paid to see the show or paid bigger pay-per-view money to see the show and you will see what people actually think. And Corbin was over. Again, give them two heels and then people will just cheer who they like. And that was Corbin. Both of them had cool entrances. Now... I'll go for the breaker one first. He's got they're they're leaning in heavy on the dog gimmick. He's got that dog in him. He's got the big bulldog in uh, on the Tron in his entrance, and and all that is cool. All that is cool. They got the, he's got the barking noises and the growling in his entrance and everything. But he came out with a big wolf head on, and I couldn't help but think of Game of Thrones when they killed the Stark kid and cut his head off and stitched a wolf's head on in its place, which isn't a victorious thing. Is it? <laughs> I get what they're going for. I just think this one was a miss. That's just me personally. Corbin, on the other hand, coming out on the motorcycle uh, with the cool new entrance, taking himself a little bit more seriously, you know, black leather jacket and the whole bit. And what I love about Twitter is people will out themselves instantly as, you know, people that are either there to have fun or there to criticize. I've said, once again, um, tune in. The next episode of NXT Rewind is dropping imminently, and I say a lot in that in the old Full Sail days, the big difference with the NXT crowd was they were there to have fun. They were there to enjoy what was put in front of them. And this is the same here. There's the difference between those people and the people that want to nitpick. All over Twitter, almost instantly, is a bunch of people who go, hey, Corbin, you know, you're not biker taker, you know, stop trying. And it's like, literally minutes after the match, he's like, yeah, here's what I was going for. And it's like him making reference to a to a specific Ghost Rider thing, which is a thing a lot of wrestlers are going to do. If you're going to take a shot at him for that, you got to go after Kenny and the Bucks for all the video game nonsense that they do. Why are we beeping? Why is this a thing? Anyways, the, they brawl on the outside to start. They brawl, a lot of it takes place in the crowd. Comedically, NXT had put extra security around the ring so that they wouldn't brawl into the crowd. So what do they do immediately? They beat up the security and brawl into the crowd. The whole thing starts off with a diving senton by Braun Breaker out onto the rampway, which was insane for a guy his size. Shout out to him for that. Eventually, they make their way back into the ring. Uh, Corbin does what they called on commentary a super big or a super deep six, which was a deep six with like a hell of a lot more rotation. Two big guys are going to get a lot more momentum. It is what it is, and they pounded the crap out of each other. It was a big E special. It was two big meaty men slapping man meat up until the point that Robert Stone, manager of Vaughn Wagner, who's currently had his skull structure rearranged by Braun Breaker, came in, jumped on Braun Breaker's back, and immediately got tossed out of the ring, which set him up for the end of days, which is still one of the coolest moves in wrestling, and a loud crowd chanting along with the referee as he counts the three count for Baron Corbin. Put Baron Corbin in a real building, in a real in front of a real audience that is paid to see the show, and they will show you this guy is way more over than most of the fans want to admit, and they're more over, he's more over, sorry, than the company realizes. I think that's really cool. You hear the loud three count, that's a cool thing. Uh, Braun Breaker, I don't know what they do with him next, because he's just 
kind of crazy at the moment. He's not even really heel because he's fighting another heel, unless they're playing up the role of like, you know, who can be a worse heel. I really don't know where that goes, but I don't know. Uh, they need to do a slow turn of Baron Corbin, and they almost did it when he was like poor, and then they turned him into a sarcastic guy, and he feuded with Kevin Owens for a hot second, and that was it. I'll say it, and I'm going to keep saying it. This version of Baron Corbin in NXT right now is the closest thing we have had from Baron Corbin, or it's the closest thing he's been given anyways, since he first went up to the main roster and they fucked up the Lone Wolf character. The, the Burn the Ships Baron Corbin is the closest thing we've had to Lone Wolf Baron Corbin since that character existed. Really, really fun match. Really cool way to kick everything off. Really high energy, because Braun Breaker brings the high energy, and the people that like Baron Corbin in the crowd bring that we like Baron Corbin in this crowd energy. A lot of fun. Robert Stone getting chucked around is a little bit of comedy, but again, you are supposed to, with him being there, you're supposed to remember that Von Wagner had his head rearranged, so there's still that in the background. Trick Williams versus Dominic Mysterio with Dragon Lee as the referee for the North American Championship. Dragon Lee being out there as the ref had a white and black luchador mask to match the referee shirt. Always nice. I know it's a little thing, but that's fine. Trick Williams is over as hell. Dom out by himself, and I wouldn't point this out if it was a if it was a one-off, but he was out by himself defending that title against Dragon Lee on Raw as well. Now is that WWE showing a little bit more confidence in him that he can put on a good match without all the bells and whistles? Or is that to illustrate the turmoil within the Judgment Day? I don't know. Either one of those is acceptable to me. Um, a lot of the beginning portion of this match is Dominic jawing with Dragon Lee and Trick Williams taking advantage. There's a super kick to Dragon Lee. At one point in the match, it takes him out of the ring. Booker T on commentary saying, well, that was silly. Why would he stand in front of a super kick? It popped me rotten. Um, so a pinfall was missed uh, by Trick Williams. Another referee comes in, and another referee gets taken out, and another pinfall is missed by, uh, by that referee in the favor of Trick Williams. Dragon Lee gets back in. Dom tries for a belt shot. Trick hits him with a running knee that throws the belt back in his own face. And Trick Williams, to another huge pop, is your new NXT North American champion. Now, once again, is this going to further divide the Judgment Day? Hey, how come you guys weren't there to have my back? And the one that speaks up in the Judgment Day amongst all the Fiore that they're having right now is Dominic Mysterio. That's kind of a cool story. But also, on the other side of that coin, talking about the crossover and whatnot... Dragon Lee's going to be on SmackDown this coming Friday because he's been challenged by Austin Theory and they are going to have a match. Judgment Day, because they are the tag team champions, are allowed to be on both brands as well and they've been advertised for SmackDown. So are we going to get a situation where, where Dominic Mysterio blames Dragon Lee for costing him the North American Championship and he costs him the match against Austin Theory on SmackDown and this is how we slowly just sort of slide Dragon Lee onto the main roster in a mini feud with Dominic Mysterio. I don't know. That's what I would do personally. Um, you'd have to eventually say, okay, Dominic Mysterio was on SmackDown this week because Judgment Day was on SmackDown this week because they're the tag team champions and that's fine, but he's still a Raw superstar, so now you have to justify... Dragon Lee actually being properly drafted to Raw, but that's that's fine. There's still a 
there's still another trade due to SmackDown because of the whole Jey Uso thing, which is probably going to be either Cody Rhodes or Jade Cargill. I don't care about either one of them. Dragon Lee would be a fine substitute. It's all good. So, a lot of cool things here kind of happened all at once. Trick Williams becomes the champion. Trick Williams breaking away from Carmelo Hayes, wants to shoot out on his own, gets his first shot at a championship, and wins it. Also, there's a little sub-story there about Dominic Mysterio being sort of an infiltrator to NXT. He's not really an NXT talent. He, t he took one of the NXT belts. Now, they wouldn't do this with Becky Lynch, mind you, because she's a babyface and whatever. But if you want to say that not only Trick Williams won the NXT North American Championship, but he won it and brought it back to NXT, that's another cool little jewel that he can put in his crown as well, and we will talk more about that later on in the night. Backstage, we see a uh, bit of footage with Joe Gacy and Ava. She's got no uh, last name. She's The Rock's daughter. I don't know why people think that's funny, but uh, what culture said it, so I'll say it too. Now, the other two... Um, the Dyad have been released, I believe, and the last thing that Joe Gacy was in, they lost, and I don't even remember what that was. He tells Ava to fuck off and leave him alone, because the schism's dead, go find somebody else to follow, I need to find a new purpose. So they're giving Joe Gacy a new gimmick, maybe something even worse, I don't know, rumor is that Ava might be fast-tracked to the main roster, and I don't think that's the greatest idea in the world, but the schism is dead. That's a bummer. The schism thing, the schism thing when it started out as Joe Gacy being a parody of an SJW was hilarious because the people that it pissed off were exactly the people he was parodying because a little too much truth is hard to swallow, is it not? Now, that's very, very, very much like the Chelsea Green uh, being a Karen thing, but I'll leave that alone. Don't have much to say about the tag team match other than it was a big old pile of fun. It was Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza who have this new, more serious gimmick going on. They're paying tribute to their families, so Angel Garza doesn't have the tearaway pants anymore. They've got the the big gash tattoos on their on their chests, and they're being all like serious and cultural and blah 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 blah. And if you know what's going on in Canada today, you can uh, take that to mean whatever you will. Um, the Creed Brothers are there. The uh, in the mud, or out the mud, or whatever they're calling, Bronco Nima and Lucian Price, managed by scripts for reasons, <laughs> are there. And Tony D and Stax, Tony D and Stax retain. The cool story about this is when the Creeds sort of fell away and when uh, out the mud are sort of out of the way, there was a l nice little mini match between the family and uh, Carrillo and Garza. Uh, Tony D goes to do a double back suplex crumples and uh, does a really, really good job of selling his leg to the point that I thought it was kind of real. Maybe I'm an idiot. Who knows? And then everybody beats the shit out of scripts for a while. <laughs> Where's Adam? Where's Adam Wilborn with the scripts impression? But, uh... Everybody reads the shit out of scripts for a while, and then it kind of breaks away, and the creeds kind of start helping scripts within the match. Tony D makes a triumphant return with half of his pants cut away so that we can see he's got a knee brace on. We have about five seconds of a four-on-four -four match where it's the creeds and the family versus out the mud and uh, Umberto and 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 Garza there, and then 
as soon as that four-on-four four is done, then the faces start fighting each other respectfully, and the heels start facing each other disrespectfully, and the baby, all four baby faces suplex all four heels off the top rope, which is always good. It gets a this is awesome chant. The referee cowering in the center, trying not to get hit by anybody, was great. Brutus hits a Brutus ball to the outside on everybody, and the family hits the bada bing, bada boom on one of the Angel Garza, Umberto Carrillo guys and get the win and retain and it's fine it is absolutely fine garza and carrillo made a hell of a showing of themselves in this the creed brothers should be on the main roster out the mud i don't really care about the name is stupid they're managed by scripts i'll leave it where it is and tony d and stacks like i say i don't really want them on the main roster i want them to be the gatekeepers of tag team wrestling down in nxt because the main roster i don't think they'd be over as much as they are in nxt to be quite quite honest with you. So this, it kind of did what it had to do, but to say that this match just did what it had to do kind of sounds like I'm laying it flat, and that's not the implication that I'm trying to put out there for you guys. We got another teaser similar to what we got on NXT this week for uh, Brian Pillman. It's just somebody flipping through the channels, and it's a bu it's like WCW clips, and then it's slowly flipping through all of the... Uh, second, third generation stars. You see The Rock, you see The Usos, you see Dominic Mysterio, Charlotte Flair, uh, Randy Orton, and all that type of thing. And then you sort of cut to a faded image of somebody's shirt with a tiger on it that looks like he just didn't leave whatever AEW's performance center is. And it shows, like, the shirt and his chin. And it's like, okay, just... Just fade up. Like, we know who it is. It's fine. We stealing people from AEW left, right, and center. We stole Nathan Frazier. We're going to get Brian Pillman Jr. We got Cody, for better or for worse. Unfortunately, we're going to have Jade Cargill taking up space. Bring me over some good people. Like, give me Garcia. Give me Guevara. Give me FTR back. We could we could start talking about this. But I will say... Uh, again, going to Twitter, it's like, oh, you guys all of a sudden give a shit about Brian Pillman Jr. You didn't give a shit about him in, w er, in AEW. Oh, wow, I almost said WCW. Freudian slips are Freudian. Um, AEW didn't present him. Like, it was him and... I don't even remember the other guy's name. But they had Julia Hart with them, and they lost... The two of them collectively lost their girlfriend to the cool goth kids at school, and she's doing awesome shit now. And the rest of the... Griff Garrison was the other one. I don't know what the fuck happened to him. He looked like slightly larger Marco stunt, so whatever. Brian Pillman Jr. and him were presented as a jobber tag team, or a runner-up, or an almost, or a, or an also-ran type team. So how am I supposed to give a shit about him in AEW? The fact that he's already getting a promo package in WWE before we've even actually seen him, much like Jade Cargill, gives me a lot more hope for how he's going to be presented. And plus, in front of a smaller crowd like NXT, yeah, they're going to make him feel huge. I will say, on a side note, um, spoiler alert, Jade Cargill did not come in and stare down Becky Lynch tonight, which I thought would have been cool, but I also didn't think was going to happen. Um, Jade Cargill got a promo package and an announcement and all kinds of news and fanfare on SmackDown. Two things I want to say about this. One... I'm still not a fan of Jade Cargill. That really hasn't changed. But again, much like the Brian Pillman Jr. thing, what did she do on AEW other than get booked like Ryback? If she comes into WWE and shows me something, then absolutely cool. But that credit's going to go to WWE as much as it goes to her. Now, that being said, it brings up a larger question, and it's a larger question that I want to ask you guys. Because most of the wrestling crowd is, is a smart crowd, is a dirt-cheap crowd these days, are we past the point 
of a surprise appearance. And what I mean by that is like having a company basically pretend like nothing's going on when we all know something's definitely going on. We all know, like through rumors, through dirt sheets, if you watch What Culture, if you listen to somebody like um, like a Good Mike or Greg Morgan, or even somebody like Simon Miller, or you just read No DQ every now and then, the rumors have been, have been rampant for months that Jade Cargill is not only leaving AEW, but coming to WWE. Are we at the point now where a surprise debut is kind of pointless, so you might as well grab the headlines, make a big spectacle, lay the carpet down for that person to walk down? Because, as I say, my opinion of Jade Cargill notwithstanding, if they give this kind of hype and preamble to somebody that I want to see, like, I don't know, if I got my pick... Darby Allen. I know Darby Allen's probably an AEW lifer, but I would love to see Darby Allen, WWE. If they gave the same amount of attention to a Jade Cargill to somebody that's actually good, <laughs> I would love it. So let me know. Do you think they should go more in this direction and and stop necessarily trying to make everything a shock and everything a surprise? Because I think I think it might be that point in wrestling history where you can't really do a surprise, and if you try to treat something like a surprise, you run the risk of almost insulting the intelligence of your audience. Just a thought that I had. Don't know if I 100% believe it, but it is what it is. The Pillman trailer is what it is. So if main roster is going to get one uh, one defector from AEW and NXT is going to get another one, I'm going to pay more attention to Brian Pillman Jr. just to see whatever AEW didn't show me. No Dar versus Butch for the Heritage Cup was a lot of fun. It's the first... I think it's the first Heritage Cup rules match that I've seen, because I didn't really watch it in NXT UK for my sins. This is the first one I've seen go all six rounds. Now it had a bullshit ending, but we can talk about that when we talk about it. Uh, Noam Dar's obviously out there with the metaphor, and Butch is out there with Tyler Bate, because apparently he came out on an NXT house show and asked Tyler Bate to be his second at ringside. Um... They go to the end of the first round, uh, Butch has him in a submission, the bell rings, he breaks the submission and gets a cheap shot to the face. That is the story of round one. Round two ends when Oro Mensa from the outside gets a cheap shot on Butch and Dar gets pin number one. Um, bitter end at the end of round three gets Butch his first pin. They are all tied up now. Dar is in a chokehold and passing out but doesn't tap and the bell saves him to end round four. Butch wrecks his hand at the end of round five, but he doesn't tap. Well, during the last final break of that, you see him getting his hand taped up and whatever. And in round six, there's another cheap shot by Mensa while the referee is distracted. And then the whole match kind of goes to fuckery when Gallus comes down and beats the fuck out of Tyler Bate at ringside and then gets a best for the bells, which for the most part is just a really, really honking big clothesline lariat, whatever. And Noam Dar retains the championship. Up until the Gallus fucker... I could see... I could see the Oromensa interference in this match because they make a big point of everybody that participates in a Heritage Cup match having a second at ringside. So that lends itself naturally to the second at ringside getting involved in the match. Plus Dar is a heel and, and uh, Metaphor is a heel faction. That didn't really break up the match for me too much. Gallus just coming in at the end, and, and I've just written on my notes, Gallus fuckery. Um, I guess... I guess Joe Coffey wants a shot at the Heritage Cup. I don't know. He was in the Invitational to determine the number one contender for all this, and he didn't win. Uh, the other two, Mark Coffey and... What the hell is his name? Mark Coffey and Wolfgang are going to face Bate and Butch 
on NXT this week, uh, which is two-thirds of British Strong Style, which they can't do the third third of, because that's Trent Seven, who doesn't work for WWE anymore, recently saw him at a Destiny show picking up the Destiny World Championship, so good for him. That's Aces. If he was still in the company, you could get the trios matches that you had in the early days of NXT UK. But WWE likes to let people go, so it is what it is. We got two announcements back-to-back. -back. NXT Deadline is coming up December 9th. Saturday, December 9th. Which I saw on Twitter before the show, but I had half a question in my head, and it was answered when they made the announcement during the show. Not only are we getting NXT Deadline again, but it does mean the return of the Iron Survivor match, which is Awesome. I'm glad that that's becoming a thing. At NXT Deadline, they also announced it as the last pay-per-view for the WWE calendar, which leads me to believe that WWE proper, WWE like main roster, doesn't have a December pay-per-view? Shrug emoji? Uh, so the last, the last pay-per-view of the year for the main roster is going to be Survivor Series. And where is Survivor Series? It's in Chicago and... Who else is from Chicago? Yeah, let's do a whole lot of that and end the year strong. Because now, sorry, on a detour for a second, if the last thing we do on a proper main event, or sorry, main roster pay-per-view for the year is you've got Nathan Frazier, you've got Cody Rhodes, you've got Brian Pillman Jr., we're going to have Jade Cargill. Now, just, it's, it's Chicago. Just add CM Punk to that list. Five. Five-time winners, WWE. But no, that means we're ending the pay-per-view calendar on a NXT pay-per-view, which is awesome. NXT deadline, awesome. The Iron Survivor Challenge in a proper arena setting will be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. The way that that's... It's kind of an elimination match. It's kind of a, you know... Iron Man match, it's kind of a ro mini Royal Rumble of five people. I, when I saw the Iron Survivor match announced on Deadline last year, now granted it was just in the Performance Center, so it had the constraints of the Performance Center, I didn't know that this, this, this idea would work. But it does. And it was awesome. And it was the coming out party for people like Keanu James and Tiffany Stratton specifically. So let's do a little bit more of that, but let's do it in a proper setting. Let's take these special events out of the Performance Center and put them in proper buildings again. You know, let's detach ourselves from the dregs of the... Uh of the uh, performance center empty arena we can't do anything because we're all locked in our own personal prisons because of covid era now that being said when i'm done recording this it's probably going to be october 1st first of all if you haven't checked it out already i've dropped a new episode of nxt rewind that is dropping october 1st october 1st is also the beginning of the spooky season if you guys don't know i love halloween I just do. I just love Halloween. You guys know. I haven't quite seen Saw X yet. I'm looking forward to it. Probably going to see it next weekend. Halloween is great. Halloween is the best holiday on the calendar, bar none, other than my birthday. If you want to wish me a happy birthday on December 22nd, you can do that as well. Halloween's great. You know what else is great? It's one other show that needs to be elevated to a proper WWE pay-per-view. They're not doing it this year, but they're still giving it to us on a weekly special thing. It's the return of Halloween Havoc. It's going to be over two weeks. It's going to be October 24th and 31st because it actually lines up with Halloween. Okay, I'll give them that one. The way you've elevated 
Deadline, the way you've elevated Great American Bash, the way you've elevated um, Stand and Deliver to proper arena shows. Come on, WWE, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, I'm looking at you guys. Next year, elevate Halloween Havoc to a proper NXT PLE. Just do it. Just do it. It'll be good for the soul. But yeah, NXT Deadline, The Iron Survivor, and Halloween Havoc are all coming to us in the next couple of months. The sub the sub-main event for the NXT Championship between Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes because Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton were given the main event slot and everybody got all hyped, including me. Uh, I will say this, including me, uh, on my on my preview, I said, well, what if they put the ladies in the main event? Would that lend credence to the, to the arrival of Jade Cargill and all that kind of thing, which they didn't do. But Really, really cool that Tiffany Stratton and uh, and uh, Becky Lynch got the main event slot. But first, we got to do Carmelo Hayes versus Ilya Dragunov. And what do I say every time Carmelo Hayes has a championship match? He's either going to retain or he's going to go to the main roster. Well, Ilya Dragunov wrecked him for the first, I would say, half of this match. Very, very, very slowly. Carmelo Hayes claws it back to sort of an even slugfest. And when I say slugfest, I mean punches, I mean strikes, I mean tosses and throws and suplexes and stuff over the ropes and all that kind of thing. Uh, that mo that back and forth momentum is, abs is absolutely broken up when Ilya Dragunov hits him with an absolute throwaway toss powerbomb, which is really, really good. Um, several times he goes for that... I think they're I think they're calling it the H bomb, which is uh, might be questionable. That whole thing where he basically runs and falls down and gives him the uh, the forearm to the face. First one, second one. Uh, they did something to the outside. I think it might have been off of one of the code breakers, and you can clearly see Ilya Dragunov's forehead is busted open, and Carmelo Hayes is bleeding somewhere around the mouth, so he's got a fat lip or he's bit his tongue or something like that. Cutter to the floor by Melo was ugly, but it worked. The third forearm from the top rope gets a very, very, very intense Ilya Dragunov, his first NXT championship. Now, I, I haven't done it justice there, but holy Christ, everything that these guys did last time, minus Trick Williams being at ringside, with the intensity turned up to 11, but a lot of this match... And I'm giving the credit to Carmelo Hayes here now that we now that we know what the result is. A lot of this match was the super charismatic Carmelo Hayes being dead on his feet and really, really going the extra mile to sell the beat down that he's taking from Ilya Dragunov. And Ilya Dragunov is he's selling that he's in a fight, but he's also selling the effect of the offense that he's putting on Carmelo, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, hitting him so hard that he pulls back and acts like he's hurt his hand. Uh, I think he did something to his arm at some point in the match as well. These guys are great. Ilya Dragunov as a champion, like, leading the brand. <sighs> I'm with everybody else. I don't know whether that's a thing. I don't know whether Carmelo comes back for one more. But Ilya basically grabs the title and, like, forcefully like, basically demands Carmelo Hayes back to his feet so he can give him his respect properly. He gives him, like, the most aggressive, like, handshake and hug and, like, I'm pushing my respect on you because I need you to know that you gave me everything you could and I'm doing it the right way and all that kind of thing. Because while these guys got at each other before their first match and then before this one as well, before they, you know, they both started digging at each other, they both started being dicks to each other, neither one of them was ever really a heel. 
Like, Dragunov was going to hurt you because he's the guy that hurts you, and he likes hurting people and whatever. And Carmelo Hayes was a little bit more of the, uh... uh what do I want to say? Who's the, the the guy that Rocky faces in Rocky? Who's like the star? He's watching his, his, his following on Instagram. I'm him. I'm the guy. I'm a brand. You know, the, the, the marquee superstar. Like, which can go in an obnoxious direction, but it never quite did. So neither one of them was ever really a heel. It's the opposite of the Breaker Corbin thing we saw earlier on in the night. So for them to go so hard at each other and have the violence be so aggressive towards each other and after the fact to have the respect be so in your face as well thought was a really really nice touch he basically pulled Carmelo to his feet uh, and sort of made him made him take his flowers in front of everybody which I thought was a really really cool really really cool thing um, we'll get to we saw them one last time um, or sorry I should say we before this match we saw Carmelo and Trick Williams celebrating with both of their titles for about five seconds in the back. Hey, you know, this is our night. We're doing it. Da, 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 da. You should have known then that, you know, they had to do that spot right then because that was the only time that they were both champions. <laughs> but uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, and an Easter egg is only an Easter egg when you look back at it, I suppose. Becky Lynch versus Tiffany Stratton. I didn't take any notes for this at all. If you saw their first match, th this was that match with weapons. They went out into the crowd. Uh, Becky Lynch had a fan in the crowd hand her a chain to use at one point. Tiffany Stratton, uh, much like Ilya Dragunov, got busted open sometime somewhere over the uh, forehead eyebrow area quite early on in the match. And not that that's a good thing, but I think it's one more thing to sort of take it away from, like, yes, she plays this, you know, obnoxious Barbie doll character and whatever, but she's a badass and she can wrestle like like fuck. <laughs> um, most of the match was was carried by her. Most of the big spots were done by her. They did a lot of desk stuff. They had a they had a moment where Becky Lynch was in the commentary chair and she did a running cannonball off of the table through Becky through the chair through a guardrail. She did her um, China esque like handspring into the back elbow um, through the through the other part of the guardrail. So both parts of that you know that little tiny square where the timekeeper sits, the timekeeper's area, where it's sort of squared off. They took out both sides of that square, which I don't think I've ever quite seen that. There was a lot of, like, splashes to the floor, splashes and missing. Uh, there was a pile of chairs in the ring at one point, and Tiffany Stratton went for a, I think it was the prettiest moonsault ever, and landed face first on the chairs. The Swanton. I gotta say. The Swanton's not her finisher. It, it, it might should be. I know that the prettiest moonsault ever is what they sort of book as her finisher. There was a thing on the outside. Becky Lynch took out a table. And you know the rules in wrestling. If you take out a table, it's going to be used on you. Stratton got up after the after all the stuff with the table and the chair and the guardrail and all that. Took Becky Lynch to the other table. Swantoned her through the table. Threw her back in the ring. And swantoned her again. Now this is me. I am the biggest Hardy Mark ever. If you wanted to put the AEW title on Jeff Hardy tomorrow, I wouldn't fight you because I am really biased in that regard. Huge fan of Jeff Hardy, warts and all. Um, you know, for better, for worse, for all that he's achieved and all that he's, all the crimes that he's committed, I'm a huge Jeff Hardy fan. 
Good God, the the Swanton Bomb of Tiffany Stratton is a thing of fucking beauty. Now, she went back and tossed Becky onto the chair some more, hit the prettiest moonsault ever, and missed it, and then Becky Lynch just, just won after that. Uh, she retained, but, but goddamn... <laughs> She uh, she retained after a manhandle like a desperation manhandle slam into the into those same chairs, but goddamn, <laughs> like there was there was uh, garbage bin stuff. There was weapons. There was there was the toolbox spots right where she brought in the toolbox and. Nowadays, when I think about people pulling out things from ringside, if it's the toolbox, immediately I go to the match that everybody hated, the Hell in the Cell in 2019 with, with uh, what's his name, Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt. Now, that takes on a different meaning now with the passing of Bray Wyatt, rest in peace, and, and all that kind of thing, but it still means that, like, goofy toolbox stuff I associate with Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins is obviously partners with Becky Lynch, so I don't think that they were trying to make that connection, but I think it was kind of cool, like hit her with a wrench, hit her with a chain. I thought it was really cool because the, the fan had handed Becky the chain earlier, and then she had a chain in her toolbox, she said, you want to hit me with a chain? I'll hit you with a chain! And all that kind of uh, stuff. There was the whole, you know, Becky Lynch goes under the ring and hides and, and does the fire extinguisher spot. But after Tiffany Stratton had rearranged the table on the outside to where she wanted it to be, the way she just sort of like threw her hands up in the air and like, where the hell did she go? Where the, like frustrated, like I've lost my opponent. Even the commentators were like, ah, you know, it's, it's pretty shitty when you're in a ring and you've lost your opponent. And then you see Becky Lynch just sort of sitting on there, they're all ready to go with the fire extinguisher. There's a little bit of comedy, like there always is in a plunder brawl. But the, the bottom line is the match was amazing. The match was a huge step up from what they did on NXT, which was, you know, the NXT that actually beat Dynamite that week in the ratings. Mm, yes. But this was awesome. It, it deserved to be the main event. Tiffany Stratton is a fucking star. There are so many... I'm, I'm glad they're doing the, um, the women's breakout tournament. Uh, starting this week, actually, I think. Because there are so many people... Keanu James... Sorry, Keanu James, uh, Tiffany Stratton, Roxanne Perez, probably Blair Davenport, the Creed Brothers, Carmelo Hayes, um, I don't know, there's probably somebody I'm forgetting, oh, Braun Breaker, all these people are ready to go to the main roster, and and all most of the, Keanu James wasn't on the show tonight, but the rest of them, they all showed out what they could do tonight, I mean, Corbin won the match with Braun Breaker, but that was more fun, look at these two crazy guys, they're assholes, um, the Creed Brothers, they were in a four-team tag team championship match, and they looked bigger than the match. Uh, Carmelo Hayes, for obvious reasons, he just dropped the main title. He's he's all right, raring to go up. Roxanne Perez wasn't on this show either, uh, but she's ready. She was ready to go up the minute she showed up in NXT. Anyway, I saw her as Roxy when she defended the ROH Championship in Impact because we had that weird crossover period. She fought Deanna Perrazzo, and I was really biased towards Deanna Perrazzo at the time. So, um, my biases are what they are, but like since then, Rox, Roxy came to NXT, became Roxanne Perez, and has shown what she can do. So many of these people are, are ready for the main roster that 
I'm glad that they're bringing in a Brian Pillman Jr. I'm glad that they're doing this women's breakout tournament. I'd kind of laugh if Jade Cargill showed up in NXT. I would, because it would drive all the right people crazy. But um, there's going to be an influx really, really shortly. Uh, anyways, Becky Lynch retained. The, the thing overhanging over this entire match was watching this match from the crowd was Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox was, uh, it was previously established that she was going to face the winner of this match on this upcoming week's episode of Monday Night Raw. So you're going to get Tegan Knox versus Becky Lynch this Monday on Raw. Tegan ain't winning. Because there's no way they put that title on Tegan just for Tegan to start going to NXT. Unless it's to rectify the fact that they just don't use Tegan on Raw at all, so just send her back to NXT for a while. That's a bit shit. Um, they ended on a shot in the back of, like, Mello just being completely brokenhearted and apologizing, apologizing to Trick Williams because this was supposed to be, like, their night together and Trick succeeded where he failed and Trick's sort of consoling him. But, also, correct me if I'm wrong, because before they went in for the big hug, he did kind of look at Trick Williams' new belt. So I wanna, I wanna sort of absorb this as a nice moment between two genuine friends that are supporting each other. But that really doesn't happen that much in wrestling, does it? We could have a really cool turn here. We could have Trick Williams go to the moon. We could have Carmelo Hayes turn back heel in his efforts to stop his former friend from going to the moon. That's a cool direction. If not, get him on the main roster fucking yesterday. That's all I got. Along with, oh, Dragon Lee is another one that is already experimenting with the main roster. So there's all kinds of crossover, and the people that pretend that they give a shit about the brand split are going to get real upset about that. It's all going to be on USA Network very soon. It's not going to matter in the slightest. Anyways, I want to know what you guys think. Did you guys watch NXT No Mercy? Did you tune in to this to find out what happened on NXT No Mercy? Because that's a bit weird. Let me know down in the comment section below, or if you're listening to this on a podcast, find me on X at Spaz Phoenix. But up until then, up until right now, I'm losing my voice, as you can tell. I've been Spaz, you are YWC, Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging it. Bye, guys.